thank you so much for joining us on this very exciting episode of my podcast, Tremendous Tales with Liz Pichon. That's me, by the way. I write and draw children's books like the Tom Gates series and Shoe Wars, but right now I'm going to be joined by the absolutely amazing author and illustrator and our current Waterstones children's laureate, Cressida Cowell. Cressida will be sharing with us her snack of choice, which I'm very excited about, telling us a tremendous tale and a tremendous fail, because we all make mistakes, recommending a tremendous book and playing What's That Sound? And you'll be able to play along as well. So let me tell you some more about how amazing Cressida is, as well as being our children's laureate. And for the record, she is doing a fantastic job. Oh, Cressida. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, which is brilliantly. All, all of us can do. Cressida <laughs> is the number one best-selling author and illustrator of How to Train Your Dragon and the Wizards of Once book series and the author of Emily Brown Picture Books, illustrated by Neil Layton. She has sold over 11 million books worldwide and in 38 languages. How to Train Your Dragon is also an Academy Award-nominated billion-dollar DreamWorks film series and a TV series shown on Netflix and CBBC. The Wizard of Once has also been optioned for the film for DreamWorks, which is very exciting. Cressida is a trustee of World Book Day, a patron for Read for Good, an ambassador for the National Literacy Trust. I nearly said the Nitracy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a totally different thing. And the Woodland Trust. And she is on the Council of the Society of Authors. She is an honorary fellow of Keeble College, Oxford, has an honorary (laughs) doctorate from the University of Brighton. She has won numerous prizes for her books, including the Blue Peter Book Award, the Ruth Rennes, Award for Champion Literacy, the Gold Award for the Nestle Children's Book Prize, the Hay Festival Medal for Fiction. Oh, I was really pleased about that one. (laughs) And Philosophy Now's Magazine Award for the contributions in the fight against stupidity. She grew up in London and on a small, uninhabited island off the west coast of Scotland. And she now lives in Hammersmith with her husband, three children, and a dog called Pigeon. And and a a dog called called Zero. Zero. Yes, I added that one in. So if you follow Cresta on social media you will see how gorgeous her dogs are so once again thank you so much Krista for joining us look I could hardly get all your achievements out I know Liz I sounded so impressive you I were super say. impressive it's amazing I was sitting there thinking who is this woman <laughs> <laughs> good gracious <laughs> it is yeah. fantastic it's absolutely incredible well, um, yes I don't know yeah god yeah, it sounds so, really good when, yes. you, when you put it like that um, <laughs> and it was funny because we were just having a conversation about what we were like at school and the kind of thing that you thought you might be doing did you ever imagine that you would be writing books or doing anything like well, this I read a lot and I loved making things up and I loved making up stories and but I was always in trouble at school. That's often why I write about characters who are in trouble, you know, because I meant well, but I was always in trouble. I was really messy. I never knew when the homework was... I mean, it was so confusing. The homework was supposed to be in every second Thursday to somewhere, and I just didn't know what on earth was going on most of the time. And so I was always in trouble and always being told off. And so that I found that quite difficult. So... Mm. I don't know. I would never have expected to have done all of these So you didn't sort of think about, oh, you know, I think I might be an author or... No, because I didn't know. No, I didn't know any authors. I didn't know any... um, No. They were like my... And and authors, I loved reading. So they were like my sort of heroes. I could never have imagined that I would be one of them. I had messy handwriting. And I know... I think... Are you dyslexic? I am, yeah. Yeah. I was never... 
officially kind of diagnosed. But our son was real serious problems of reading and writing when he was younger. And actually in the process of getting him diagnosed, it was very much like they talked to the parents all the time and it was, it was mm. like, oh, OK. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I always thought I was dyslexic. but just never officially diagnosed. Um, I mean, I wasn't dyslexic, but I really identified because of being in trouble. I was very, I mean, I was really disorganised and very sort of messy. And, and the thing is, if you don't fit in in some way, you can still get in, into a terrible you know being told off all the time and it gets very disheartening so that's why I write characters like Wish is dyslexic I Mm. I come say because because I don't want children who because children can so easily get put off yeah so and when they're really smart and really clever these really smart clever creative children get put off very young yeah by thinking it's a race and I should also say that you and I both share an agent don't we (laughs) yes we do yeah we've both been with Carol I'm going to give her a name check as well I've been with her for well over 20 years now and I think you're the same yeah me too for the children who don't know what an agent does caroline is the person who will look at the books look at the ideas that we've got and she'll talk to publishers about them and she's the person who sorts things out and makes the publishing deals and helps get the books to the publishers so i'm sure she she does an awful lot more than that but that's in the simple (laughs) terms isn't it yes yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so talking about when you were a child one of the things that i'm going to be asking all the guests that we have on here is tom gates is very keen on a snack and i've been writing a lot about snacks recently i've just been writing the um book 19 and I found myself writing the word donut and fun quite a lot (laughs) and when I was a kid I was always obsessed as well about you know what I was going to eat when I got home and what snack so I'm asking all my guests what their snack of choice is so it's now time for snack chat snack chat we're talking about (laughs) these very important subjects so Cressida you sent me the fruity dark chocolate flapjack recipe. So why did yes. you choose that? Well, I love cooking because it's a bit like spell making. I write a lot of books about magic and spells. And it's like, it's a bit like that. You're concocting something, aren't you? You're sort of, um, you're taking the ingredients or being a bit like a wizard in, in mixing these ingredients <laughs> together. And that's one of the reasons. And you get your really messy. I love getting messy and, and I love kind of putting it all together and then, oh, What's it going to taste like? And this one is also, it's almost like a memory one for me. Liz is holding up. Her daughter has made (laughs) my snack. Do you know what? It's it's a memory thing. Mm -hmm. I love things that maybe, that remind me of being a child and that sometimes you can't get anymore. I'm kind of fascinated by things. There was a a lolly that I used to love called the lolly gobble chock bomb. I'm going (laughs) to... Talk about that. Can you remember a lolly gobble chop I don't bomb? remember that. No, I remember most sweets and we do spend a lot of time. It was so cool. It was so cool. It was like an ordinary lolly. Yeah. But but it had all these layers. So it had chocolate on the outside. And do you then know, I kept do on... remember it. I do. I know. Yeah. Choc- chocolate with sprinkles on the outside. Yes. <laughs> like magical sprinkles. And then you started sucking off the chocolate and the sprinkles. And then it was ice cream inside. Right. And, and then it was a lolly inside yeah. and right in the center there was a solid chocolate bar. yes how cool is that yeah i do remember it well you know my dad one of the many jobs that he had he used to work for roundtree mackintosh as a sales mm. he used to be a salesman there and when the factory in bermondsey when it closed down him and some other people they set up their own sweet business so they used to sell pick and mix sweets to lots of different sweet shops across the country so you can imagine the car was always stuffed full of bags mm. of sweets. <laughs> and all mm. the kids in my street would sort of press their noses up against it. Oh, your dad's got the best job. And that's probably why 
I've got such terrible teeth, mm. to be honest, but there you go. Oh, well, something has to go, Liz. <laughs> um, this one is a re- kind of a bit of a memory of a bar called Cabana. Do you remember the Cabana I don't. Bar? That's two things that you've... Yeah, isn't it funny? Mm. Because you have these really strong mm. memories about sweets that you used to eat as a mm. kid. The Cabana bar was a kind of coconutty and mm, and the taste <laughs> of the orient and it had a bit of chocolate in there it also had cherries and this has been replaced by apricots yes. rather than cherries maybe i should try it with cherries one time it sounds well it is absolutely delicious so thank mm. you for discussing your <laughs> snack of choice tremendous tales so do you have a tremendous tale to tell us then, Cressida? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of tremendous tales from my childhood. I grew up in London in a house without a garden, but my dad was a mad keen bird watcher. And so every year from when I was a baby, we would be dropped off on this uninhabited island off the west coast of Scotland. An island so small that when you stand on the top of it, you can see sea all around you. And there was nothing on the island. No houses, no shops, no roads, no telephones back in the 1970s, no mobile phones. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no way of contacting the outside world if something went wrong. Yeah, (laughs) They were crazy. Imagine with three little babies. What if if somebody broke a leg? When I was little, until I was nine, we'd literally be dropped off by a local boatman and picked up again two weeks later. And we were camping, no houses. (laughs) Was this a holiday? (laughs) It was my dad's idea of a holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I mean, he, as I said, he was chairman of the RSPB, you know, so which looks after birds and everything. So even though his job was in London, his heart was in the wilderness. That's what he, and after he retired, he was chairman of Kew Gardens. Wow. So he loved adventures and wilderness. And after he died, we discovered he had no GPS on the boat. (laughs) And what that means is that there's no way of contacting the Coast Guard if something goes wrong. Yeah? Because he thought it spoilt the wilderness experience. Liz... (laughs) That is what I call craziness. Anyway, so the the two stories are from that time. When I was nine, my dad had a house built on the island. This Mm -hmm. is all the inspiration. This island is the Isle of Burke, by the way. It is the Isle of Burke. That's the house training dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a real place. And Stoic the Vast is my father, basically. (laughs) And I'm hiccup saying, what are we doing here, guys? Oh, my goodness. What are we doing? This is crazy. This is a story from when I was about four and my sister was about three and we were proud practicing going in a tent for the very first time and we were not in Scotland on a little island right. we were in Sussex quite safe and we pitched our, they pitched our tent literally just outside the french windows yeah <laughs> on the lawn yeah so it was just a little practice yes. <laughs> for the four year nice and, and I, you have to imagine i'm this highly imaginative little four year old yeah yeah and then my parents put us in the tent and it's a very little tent and they read us a lovely bedtime story and then they say good night night okay and then suddenly we're just fine. I'm chatting away to my little sister. And then suddenly it starts to get dark, Liz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens in the dark? Your mind starts doing... Starts Especially thinking, when you <gasps> use a voice like that. <laughs> yes. 
There's a little talking. rustle, and you start thinking, oh, what's that? Yeah. You know, I mean, Shakespeare, who's a very posh writer, said something, how in the night, imagining some fear, how easy is a bush supposed a bear? <laughs> Which sounds anyway, terrifying. It sounds terrifying, but that's what I was doing, basically. Your imagination makes things scary. It's amazing. Yes. Anyway, so my sister, my little sister, she looked through the tent, and there was a, a moon, yeah, and she said, oh, look, a giant moon. And I was so anxious. I thought she said, oh, look, a giant mole. No. Yeah. So I said, giant mole, giant mole. And she said, giant mole, giant mole, giant mole. And so we then, we, we rapped on the door. We opened the doors. We sped upstairs. We said, giant mole, giant mole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just sort of like and five minutes after. <laughs> yes, it probably was. Yeah. And that's that's a story of how your imagination can make things scary. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I can just imagine it. Liz, can I tell you my second tremendous tale? Oh, yes, we love oh, to hear please. it. And it's actually on the island. Mm-hmm. On the island, one time. This is when the house was built. And it was... A wonderful house, but it had no electricity, mm-hmm. so no television. <laughs> <gasps> and I tell this to children, and they, <gasps> you can hear the what? <gasps> <gasps> Spending the whole summer on an island with no television. How did you survive? Um, how did you survive? <laughs> and it was also very dark. You know, when when the sun went down a bit, but you know, it was properly dark. One evening, because there was no television, my uncle. This day, he was telling a, a ghost story <laughs> to us children. Of course, he was. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> my, yes, my uncle, who's a very serious man, and is in fact, <laughs> I know it sounds like this is just a tremendous tale. <laughs> he is in fact an American Supreme Court judge. Really true. <laughs> He so he's has probably a great... got a lot of he's probably got a lot of tremendous also, tales to yeah, tell. He has a great sense of humour. Mm. Anyway, he was winding us up by telling us a ghost story. Right. The ghost story was a story that people may know. It's called the Monkey's Paw, and it's really, really, or the Monkey's Claw, or something. I think it's pretty terrifying. Just the title is quite scary. <laughs> and what he'd organised was that my mother, at the kind of moment where he got to the bit where. The monkey's claw, the monkey's paw did something. (laughs) My mother would go past the window in a sheet with a torch underneath. Okay. Okay. Now, it was quite a wild and stormy night. And as it happened, by very bad luck, somebody was missing out in the storm and so a very brave fisherman had gone out to try and find them in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. We didn't normally get very many visitors on the <laughs> island. <laughs> but by very bad luck, this lovely fisherman was walking up. <laughs> I think it's the only visitor we've ever had in 30 Just at that time. In and he walked up. Just at the moment that my mother walked round the corner going, Woo! Sheet! <laughs> and a torch. <laughs> so he was probably terrified. And I terrified. just remember him saying, Hello! <laughs> Hello! And he 
just, we had to give him masses and masses of whiskey. The poor guy, he practically had a, imagine being in the middle of nowhere on a little island and, and then suddenly thinking see, of all the places that I, I had to come know. and get, get, come for help. It was I here. Know. <laughs> that was brilliant. I know. Oh, I know. Oh, well, thank you so much, That was just There's absolutely two brilliant. Tremendously just... tall tales. So, we have a section of this podcast that we're calling. we've got a special sound that uh, we thought you might like to have a listen to and we're going to guess so we're going to trail it first so you have a little think about it and then we'll play it again after we've heard your tremendous fail so let's have a listen what do we think it is (laughs) oh my goodness okay can you do it again yeah go on (laughs) I can say it's oh my god I thought it was. I thought it was a typewriter to start off with. This shows how your mind just goes. And then I thought it was some little animal doing ooh, something. Ooh. Some little animal doing some little, ooh, little scratchy something. Yeah, that could be. That's some not bad, little. Is it? Or we'll yes. play it again afterwards and have a think yes. about it. Tremendous fail. Everyone makes mistakes, and mm. I think that sometimes you can learn more from when things go wrong. Um, and actually, some of the, the times when I've learned the most is when, you know, things haven't quite gone to plan. So I always tell children as well that, you know, just because something doesn't go right, that it's not always, you know, sometimes you can use those ideas and you learn more from when things go wrong than when when they um, work out absolutely perfectly. So we're asking Cressida, what is her tremendous fail? I love this idea of the tremendous fail, Liz, because hiccup is another name for an accident. Right. Yeah, because if you have a hiccup, it means accident, doesn't it? Yes. And he's called that because he's something called a runt. And in the hooligan tribe, which he belongs to, all of the people who are runts are called hiccup. That's why he's the third one. The whole series, 12 books, is all about how... The adults have to understand that he's not an accident at all. He's the best thing that ever happened to right. them. So I so agree <laughs> with you, Liz. And in fact, lots of very grand people have really agreed with you. Einstein said loads of stuff on that about how, you know, accidents are the way to, you know, make great discoveries. That's why no, no problem can be solved with the same mindset that created it. Yeah. So accidents have to happen for new discoveries to be made. And I think they discovered radio by accident, all Mm -hmm. sorts of amazing scientific. So you mustn't be frightened about making an accident. And I'm really glad you do this because I meet lots of children who say, oh, I just don't want to write something down because I'm scared of making a mistake or making a mess. Or something like that. And mm-hmm. I think my tremendous fail, it's not really tremendous. It's not like a one story about a mm-hmm. tremendous fail. It's its a story about how I wasn't naturally very good at drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in fact, sometimes when my, ch- my children laughed like crazy because we were all drawing a pair and I got the stalk of the pair on the wrong end <laughs> because I've got no visual memory whatsoever, Liz. I just right. can't because I'm, I, I've got something wrong. with A lot of my heroes have something wrong with their eyesight. Mm-hmm. And I've got quite a lot of things wrong with my eyesight as it happens. So I can't see very well. And so as a result, when I was little, and particularly if you notice in the first How to Train Your Dragon books, the right, the drawing is quite scribbly. I mean, it's quite lovely in a way. I love your, I always thank love you. your illustrations. Thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you, Liz. But it's, 
it's it's not it's, <laughs> it's not very realistic. But what I've done is I've gone for drawing that's more it's more emotional or it's yes. yeah, very good at expressions and things like that. Your drawings are incredibly evocative, I would say. Yes. And they really get the spirit of the story. Yes. And I always feel like the best illustrations, you know, they take something that maybe there isn't in the text and they bring extra and that's exactly well, what, what I, I think bring, your drawings do. What I bring, Liz, is I bring something, yes, because I couldn't see very well. <laughs> I, 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 I ended up drawing in, in rather an emotional way, very expressive, and also lots of mark making, which is, you're completely right, Liz, means that it becomes very atmospheric. Mm. But also, but when I was little, I used to get really upset. I'm telling this story because... You know, because I used to try and copy Snoopy and I could never make it right. like the real Snoopy. And I used to think, oh, no, this means I'm never going to be an illustrator one day or I'm never going to. It didn't mean that. It meant I was only nine. So also, <laughs> <laughs> But also what I'm trying to say is even grown-ups can learn. If I have to draw anything... And if you look to the Wizards of Once books, they've got all that emotional illustration and all that atmospheric illustration, but they've also got world-building illustration, quite realistic. Yes. But what I have to do is is go on and do research and things mm-hmm. like that and then copy. And I suppose what I'm trying to say about that is that, yes, don't worry if you're making mistakes or you think, you know, yes. you're not brilliant at everything. You just have to go ahead and do it anyway. I think that's really, really good advice. And it's yeah. really great hearing it. You know, there are lots of different ways to express yourself in mm. drawing. And just because your work doesn't look exactly like what you're drawing, you know, that's part of learning. I mean, you know, I used to like copying things. I always copied from comics and copied different yeah. from different books. And I would, you know, find a picture I liked and I'd copy it. And I found that was a really great way of learning how to do things and different techniques. Mm. But yet some of the teachers that I had at school, like copying was considered to be like cheating. Oh. And you'd be, but that's how you learn. So I'm really Mm. pleased that you said that because I think that will give um, a lot of children listening uh, real confidence to know that there's no wrong way. You know, there's no sort of right way to learn how to do something like that. You just have to pick up a pencil and pen and just draw and keep drawing Mm. and enjoying it. And that will help Mm. you more than anything. I think you're completely right. I think failures often is where you learn something. It never crossed my mind that I would ever write because I was Mm. so bad at writing and spelling. And the first time I had a go at writing a picture book, you know, it was shocking. I mean, I look back now and I think, oh, God, you know, I didn't do anything. Nothing happened with it and I didn't do, I wrote it and nothing happened to it at all. But then about a year later, I picked it back up again and picked it to pieces and had a go at putting it together. So that's another thing. It's like just because you have one idea, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't always mean that it's total failure. You can always put it to one side and come back. I mean, Liz, before Had Train Your Dragon, I was writing, I wrote four or five picture books, which nobody was that interested in. <laughs> We've all been there, Christopher. <laughs> I've just, had books that haven't seen the inside of a bookshop. <laughs> just between you and me. Didn't mean that I wasn't brilliant. <laughs> no, and I mean, sometimes I you just, look back at them and you I go like... didn't you mean go, that oh. I wasn't marvellous. <laughs> No, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and that was a long time. I mean, mm. I, my first book was published in 1998. And then I didn't write Head to Any Dragon until 2003. That was five years later. And nobody again then said, oh, wow, right. she's the next big thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling 
continue. It was a long time. Yeah, that's really before. good to hear. Yeah. That's really good. I'm sure children will be very encouraged to hear that as yeah. well. So keep going. So thank you so keep much going. for sharing your tremendous fail because, you know, really, and we're saying it's a tremendous fail, but it's just a learning process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so let's have another listen. Let's see if we can guess what the sound was. I really think it's some sort of little animal, like a little woodpecker or a little chip monkey thingies or something. It is actually, it's okay. incredibly cute, but it's a duck walking on, Ooh. it's a little, it's duck feet walking Ooh. on a wooden floor. Oh, how <laughs> Do you want to have sweet. a listen again? Let's have another yes. listen. Oh, that little duck is moving quite quickly, isn't it? <laughs> It's if I'm very, honest, very sweet. I was trying to find um, a sort of a flapping or large bird or something. I was, thinking, I was trying to find something dragon-esque to, to oh, listen to, but it didn't quite work. <laughs> so we've gone from dragon wing to a tiny little duck. <laughs> OK. <laughs> it could be one of the cuter dragons. Your letters. So part of the podcast as well is I'm going to be reading mm. out letters. So if you've got a mm. tremendous tale that you'd like to write and tell me about... Uh, we'd love to hear it. Anything creative as well. I'm loving getting your creative projects, listening to your stories. And I've got a letter here that I'm going to read. Um, his name's Oscar. And Oscar um, has written to me, but I thought this would be a very good one to share with Cressida. So he says, I am an author. Well done, Oscar. Oh, darling. Well but done, Oscar. a stuck one. Could oh, you help? And then he's written, send a few pointers. I would be <laughs> glad. And then he says, how's the family? <laughs> Did you enjoy lockdown? I didn't. It was way too boring. Stay safe. <laughs> love oh, from Oscar. Liz. <laughs> now, do you know what I love about that? Yeah. I think that Oscar has one of the uh, ingredients that you need to be an author, which is that he's very thoughtful about other people, isn't he? He's, he's, he's thinking about how it might have been for you. And I think authors are good at that. They're good at putting themselves in other people's shoes and kind of thinking about what it might be like for them. So I think that's a good start. It's a very Oscar. good start. So Oscar says he's stuck. So what advice would you give him if he's being stuck? Because actually, like you said, what he's written here, just jumping off onto another subject, I really enjoy that. And it's he's just gone from one thing to another. And it's very conversational, which is really good as well, isn't it? Well, that's can... great for an author. You know, again, yes, got, having a lovely, easy conversational style. So if yeah. he's stuck, what would you do if you if you ever get stuck? Well, firstly, I would say all authors get stuck, Oscar. What I do when I get stuck, I suppose I'll share with you, is that I do lots of research into real things and that gives me ideas for stories. The internet is fantastic for this. Mm -hmm. So I start finding out about Vikings and I'll suddenly discover, oh my goodness, Vikings discovered America way before Christopher Columbus or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, that gives me an idea for a story. Or I find out a really random fact about Vikings, which I may have made up or somebody else might have made up <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> which is I, I, I so I don't know whether this is strictly true but it gave okay. me an idea which is that <laughs> Vikings trained cats so that when they were sword fighting an opponent 
They could throw the cat at the <laughs> opponent's head because it's very, very difficult to sword fight somebody if a cat is attacking your head. I want yeah. it to be true. <laughs> exactly. It's the kind of thing you'd hear in horrible histories, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and that's the sort of fact that gives you an idea for a story. Yeah. Right? Then, you start thinking, yeah. then you start thinking, well, imagine if you were the cat. Like yeah. if you were the cat and you knew that maybe at some point or the other you were going to be hurled at somebody's yes. head. Oh, the poor cat. Yeah. Um, That's a really uh, good tip, isn't it? Is to, yeah. To look yes. out for facts and try and think about something Or if else you're else. writing about magic, you, 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 kind of, you kind of look up about what, you know, what did people believed about magic and then you're suddenly discover, oh, some people thought that magic was allergic to iron. And they used to hang, this is true, uh, hang iron horseshoes outside their houses to frighten away, to get in the fairy path, in the way of the fairies. And, you know, that's just a whole starting point, isn't it? So I think, hey, let's make the magic (laughs) allergic to iron. So, you know, the the magic can't fight against iron. And so I have all my warriors who are iron warriors, iron age warriors. You see, it's end of Bronze Ages, beginning of Iron Ages. It just sparks off an idea, doesn't it? You have one thing and it sparks off. What's your idea when you get stuck, Liz? (laughs) When I get stuck, I tend to do very much what you do. Like I'll, I'll go on to another project. Sometimes I do have that thing where you just try and keep going and you just, no matter how bad it is, you know, you just keep writing your way through it or you just try not to think about what you're doing too much you know like you know I'll look at a magazine I'll look at a book I'll like exactly like you said you just try and do something else that will spark off an idea so you don't feel like you're constantly stuck or I just move on to something else and then go back to it I mean you have that with drawing sometimes I mean some days you have really good drawing days and other days they are shocking and nothing you can do just looks right and sometimes you just have to sort of put it to one side and go okay I'm just going to have to do something else and then come back to it and that something else is usually, I'll go and annoy Mark. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where I would love to ask for a tremendous book recommendation, Cressida. What book would you like to, to tell us about? Oh, there's so many wonderful books, aren't there? And I'm going to tell you about a book that I read actually aloud to my little siblings and cousins on that little island I was just oh. talking to you about when I was about nine. And it was just so wonderful because they were saying, oh, just one more chapter, just one more chapter. And I made them laugh. And it's called The Ogre Downstairs. And it's by a writer that I love called Diana Wynne-Jones. Oh. And yes. And and I read it aloud to my own children much later. And it still made them laugh. And they still wow. said, one more chapter, one more chapter. It's about some children who find a magic chemistry set. And each of the different chemicals does a different thing. So one of the chemicals, if you put it on, um, makes you fly. And another one um, brings your toys to life. And they pour it, yeah. And they pour it on these toffee bars. And the toffee bars come alive and start growing and start shedding their wrappers and start having (laughs) babies behind the radiator. Okay. (laughs) Yes. The little toffee bars. <laughs> it's such a funny, wonderful story, um, that that That's... book. And she's oh. a great writer. And it's why I wanted to be a writer. And it still works. It's, yes. still, it's still a great book. Uh, but there's so many good books out there. 
I will definitely make sure that that's on your list of tremendous books that mm. people could go and, and read and look at and investigate, which is exactly what we wanted. So now also, Cresta, you've got so many different books and things that are coming out and you're doing so many things as well. But we thought we'd give you an opportunity to have a shameless plug. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, I've written, I've written all these How to Train Your Dragon books. If you like dragons, if you're interested in dragons. Of course we do. 12 of them. Um, you know, so I, I've got, you know, and, and if you read them, you've, there's 12 of them. They're all about um, uh, different species of dragons because there's not just one type of dragon. Is obviously, <laughs> obviously. Um, so there's obviously, <laughs> obviously, there's different types. There's squirrel serpents. There's more yeah. huge, great big dragons. Like you know, Hiccup's riding dragon is called the Windwalker. In the films, it's toothless, um, but in the books, he's got this riding dragon called the Windwalker, and he's got this little cute little hunting dragon called Toothless. And through the books, you, you can learn the language of Dragonese. Shall I teach them a little bit of Dragonese I'm before? I'm sure they would absolutely okay. love that, yeah. And if they're listening with an adult in the room, they have to get the adult to put their hands over their ears because this is not a suitable language Ooh, okay. for adults. <laughs> Indeed. Liz, you're a writer, so you don't count, but Mark, he may have to put his hands. <laughs> I don't writers, count most of the time. Writers are not adults. Okay. So here are some common dragon phrases to get you started. Nea quapa in a dehusus pishu, which means no pooing inside the house, please. <laughs> okay. Very useful phrase. Very useful. Okay. Mi mama na like it yum yum on de bum, which means my mother does not like to be bitten on the bottom. Who yeah. does? Who does? I mean, come on. Pishu, this is to a grown-up, I mean, a bit, not a grown-up, a huge one. Pishu, kindly, gobba ut, me friendly, which means, please would you be so kind as to spit out my friend. Okay, so <laughs> that, you can learn these language, this language through the books and they're packed with illustrations and they're funny and exciting, I hope, and a bit so scary. that's the entire series. That's of the whole series of 12. Uh, 12 yeah. I've plugged shamelessly. And then um, Wizards of Once, I'm going to, yeah, oh no, I, there's no point in holding it up because you can't see. But well, we'll make sure that there's a picture. That's about magic. That's imagining your magic. Because I love enough, the idea. I'm lucky enough to have got my. Oh, Liz is holding it up and it's yes. shining like a sweet. Because I have this theory that that's the first look, in the series, isn't it? Yeah. And it looks like a sweet because I think books should look like sweets, not Brussels sprouts. Yes. So they all <laughs> look like sweets. And they're, quite, they're all about this girl hero called Wish, who's got a magical, who's a warrior and one of the iron warriors. Um, so she's not supposed to have any magic at all, but she has this eye patch and there's a secret behind that eye patch, oh. Wish. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I just want to be magic, really. So I want really. <laughs> so there's lots of magic. And, and so, you know, in this, you know, these children, so she's a warrior and she does have magic. Shh. I shouldn't tell you that, but she does have magic. And so she can do all these magical, you know, telekinesis, Small, tiny, moving things with your mind. It is a tiny, it's a huge. And, and, and Zar, who's the wizard boy, he's this very disobedient, naughty wizard boy who has all these sprites and magical creatures and a magical giant. But he doesn't have magic. 
Um, but he tries to steal. So he tries to steal magic Ooh. from a witch. Wow. That Is that sounds... a good plan? It's, a, no. it's very good. So you're It's a terrible witches. plan. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> Because he gets a witch stain and oh, he's turning oh, okay. to the, uh, yeah, he's turning to the dark side and it's quite scary, but also really exciting and funny and actually they are great. <laughs> Look, yes, I did a good job are. of shamelessly plugging. So I know that you are a very proud owner of a gold blue Peter badge because I remember <gasps> yes, seeing I am. you. Um, receiving that on the show, which was really oh, hilarious. Oh, yes, yes. I, I wasn't very cool. I, I wasn't very cool. I wasn't very cool, was I, Liz? I think it's brilliant. So inspired by, let's just say I've been inspired by, but in the Tom Gates world, we have three different badges that I give out usually to children who send me letters and they do very creative things. So I give them a red badge for creative projects, oh. blue for sports and anything sort of physical, amazing dancing, and a green for sort of superb eco projects or anything recycled. Record. But we also have oh my one God. job. <laughs> da, 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 da. We oh, have a gold no. Tom Gates badge. Oh my so, goodness! <laughs> <laughs> so we all think that we'd like to present this to you. In fact, oh everything that you do and you have oh, done for literacy, darling, for books, for reading, reading for pleasure, and just oh, being totally you. tremendous. And it will come oh. to you via Dragon Post at oh, some point. Oh, darling. Well, thank <laughs> you for having me oh, on. No, it's been thank a pleasure. You You've been absolutely brilliant. Thank really, you. Really, really <laughs> Happy reading. Happy creating, guys. Happy drawing. Happy making up your own stories. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like and subscribe. And I've been told that it really helps other people to find it. And I would love as many children as possible to hear from these amazing creative people that I've talked to and to get inspired to pick up a pen, a pencil, get creative, make up their own stories just like we've done. So thanks very much for listening. Bye.